0: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Root. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And welcome in everybody. This is the Landry football podcast. I am Chris Landry, and we're excited. We've been doing this podcast particular version through the radio influence groups for a few years now. And we do a little bit of a different take on the football course of those of you, um, you know, I do the Scouts Eye, and we have got some news uh, recently. We're probably going to be doing a, a second edition each week on Monday for the folks at Twitch, um, Scouts Eye on uh, on college and pro football. We also do that at 9 o'clock on Wednesdays. Um, we're going to be doing this Landry Football Podcast. Again, we think most days, depending on schedules, most Thursdays. We do this, drop this a podcast on Thursday. So if you're listening to this podcast, um, we want to invite you to watch the podcast being done live on Thursday mornings at 9 a.m. Central. Um, we tend to do a lot of things. We take questions, uh, again, if you've got a, uh, question, you want to join us live in the broadcast room, um, in the chat room, rather go and, uh, the, Tell us, uh, you know, click the heart button, tell us you like us or, you know, whatever, tell us you're there, uh, and uh, join us in the chat room, um, bring some questions to us. So we'll, we'll certainly, uh, keep you up to date with everything going on. Um, what we try to do in this podcast, we, we like, we do in the others that maybe are a little bit more specific. This one can go in a lot of different directions, philosophically, a lot of X's and O's, a lot of scouting, um, you know tutorial information that's that's what we try to do. Uh, but we we definitely like to cover a lot of the concepts and ideas and doing the different podcasts sometimes you can't get to everything on every show. so I like being able to have the opportunity and the flexibility to get into it like for example, uh, I'm going to get in today and certainly look at uh, what's going on uh, around college football in the NFL what I saw in the film room for this past week. We've discussed it on a couple of other platforms, other shows that I've done here on the Chris Landry Twitch channel and uh, on the Landry Football Network. Uh, but as we like to do, and just because it's topical, we're going to get into today. Uh, the breakdown, the inside story of what went on in the Big Ten is they did a about face and has decided to join the college football season. Uh, we're going to uh, get into kind of what's been talked about behind the scenes uh, with regard to to this and why it happened. And I know that there's a lot of things that they have said, but we're going to get into some of the minutiae of how this played out. You know some of it, but some of it you may not be aware of. So we're going to get into kind of what happened with regard to that. We're going to also talk a little bit about uh, Tom Brady. Um, people were got questions about where is he, where the Bucks offense, how long it's going to take. I'm going to talk in a generic sense from a coaching standpoint, what goes on in the process of trying to get acclimated, and why some of this stuff takes time, and whether there's really um some things going on. And I want to get into some practice issues that are hurdles. I think right now, particularly in college football, with schools that. Have yet to start the NFL, which has been in practice, been in their version of a camp. But some of the things that are going on that's affecting the strategy and the play um, during the season. So, thus far, so we're going to get into some of that. But uh, a reminder to check out LandryFootball.com. Uh, that's the hub of what everything we do in our network here, this TV network that we have now, Internet TV Network as well as the podcast network where you can listen to all sorts of shows. But the website in and of itself, what we try to do that's a little different is provide you the film room analysis on the college game, the pro game, the previews, the college games this week, the NFL games this week. We'll tell you how who's graded out the best. It's only been one week now in the NFL. Who graded out the best? Thus far this season, meaning last week's game, and as we go forward, we'll continue to give you that who's who's graded out the best to this point in the year, offensively, defensively, and special teams. Gives you a good feel for truly what's going on with these teams. We'll give you um, film room notes and analysis uh, going into the games. What to look for? Well, we know you guys like to figure things out and have something on the game and we'll try to help you with that and give you an idea from a coaching and scouting standpoint how things may play out and then certainly give you some fantasy tips and things to be aware of then after the game we we tend to uh, we will analyze all the games for you and uh, tell you why it happened what happened truly that led to the results that it was cuz everybody knows the result right what you want to know is why the result was what it was and what does it mean going forward. So you can get all of that at LandryFootball.com. Check it out. You can try it out for a month. Uh, Get the best discount by going to the year membership. Uh, We we think it's a perfect complement to your football season. As I like to say, it's like having your own scouting department or coaching department at your disposal for less than a magazine subscription. So check it out today. Uh, We think you're going to absolutely love it. So the Big Ten made the announcement, and we have been talking about it. Everybody's been talking about it on social media as to how this was likely going to play out and when the vote's going to take place. And this vote took place here, there, and maybe it did or it didn't but we kept hearing all the drops of when it's likely going to happen. And then there was the infamous ultimate open mic um, by the Nebraska president where it was heard to say that Tuesday night they'll make some decision. That's the timeline. And, of course, they did and announced it on Wednesday that they are coming back. They're going to be playing football in the Big Ten at the end of October, the last weekend of October. All right, It's the 24th, so it may technically not be the last. It's end of October. It's a month away. Uh, first of all, I want to get in. what does it mean for the Big Ten teams as they are preparing for their season with a month left. The thought is, well, they've been practicing, so they'll be fine. They've not all been practicing. It's been a little bit of a hodgepodge of Spring practice-type practices, fundamental type stuff, which is good. It is not quite what you do to prepare for a season. While there has been a lot of hope that a season would be resolved or something that could be recouped, um, it wasn't a definite. There are some schools, Wisconsin, for example, that's been out for a couple of weeks uh, in terms of practices due to some positive tests. It's not going to be easy, as people think. Oh, and get ready in a month. Well, yeah, we can get ready in a month. You do what you can do, right? I mean, you do whatever you need to do, and and it's may look better for some teams and sloppier for others. But we're going to have football, and so it's grateful for that. Um, I still think in college, talent rules. Talent rules in football, in any level and the ability to coach and coalesce that talent so important. But as I always say, in college, the talent is more separated. In in the NFL, it's more evenly dispersed. So, if you're Ohio State and you're not quite as sharp, you know, is it going to cost you a game? I don't think it will. Um, a bunch of, you have a situation like there are 33 positive tests, um, you got a got a major problem in a given game. But I think the talent level will prevail as it normally does and will here. Uh, I want to take a step back, though, and kind of take you where we got here with the Big Ten and their decisions. As you know, the Big Ten decided a long time ago, and first, they weren't going to play. It wasn't safe. Their medical information took them to one direction that is well, the medical decisions. I respect any medical decision. They were not very transparent with what their true findings were. Cause my feeling is if they know something and the big 10 folks always think they know something that other people don't smartest people in the room theory. But if you know something that could be useful for any other conference or any other school, why not share it? I mean, you're, Great humanitarian, then why not do that um, in lightness? Well, the reality is it was very much rooted in a political realm. These decisions were made not by Kevin Warren, he was a spokesman for the league. Um, it was not made, I mean, technically voted on and discussed by university presidents in the Big Ten. But these decisions were made above them in the governor's chairs in the respective states of which the Big Ten teams provide. Not, not all of them, but a heavy emphasis. A lot of political pressure by senators as well. You know, states of Minnesota, Michigan, Pennsylvania, just to throw out a couple that had tremendous influence on the president to shut it down regardless. And I don't like politics. I don't trust them. And I'm not someone that would be considered left or right. I'd be considered, um, not someone that favors either, but kind of sees through both of them. And I see through it. We saw this, that shutting it down, just like shutting the country down, Makes the current administration politically look bad. Getting it started up again makes the current administration look better. So, whether it's medically correct to shut down or open up, that is probably what should derive our decisions that we make in football and anything else. But we all know that the decisions are derived. To affect politically which side you're on. And that's the reality. And so that decision was made by the Big Ten to kind of shut it down, knowing in their eyes that the Pac 12 was coming along. They were gambling. And I was, you know, this is some discussions that I followed up on last evening. There was this thought, the process that, well, We'll get the ACC to get in. Then the Big 12 will come down. And then the SEC will be by themselves. And then we can be the ones that can be the initial domino that can get the rest of college football to fold for playing this year. And it makes it look bad politically. Look, we even had to shut down college football. That was the plan. It backfired. Uh, Because the SEC said, no, we're going to extend this out and do everything we can to play. The ACC was right there in lockstep with them. The Big 12 hung in there. So they had only the little sister of the Big 10, which is the Pac-12, join them. And the Pac-12 is now trying to join the Big 10 again, it appears, to do whatever they can to drum up the possibility of playing to the point where the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, has said there's no restrictions against college football teams playing. So we'll see where that takes it. And there again, also like the Big Ten behind the eight ball, trying to get a season in to be part of this season in its fall, end of fall, playoff format. Well, the whole process began to blow up in the Big Ten's face because, A, they looked like fools. Internally, the administrators, the athletic administrators at the schools, I didn't know one athletic administrator in the Big Ten or one coach in the Big Ten that wanted to sit out. They all said the right things. Some said the right things. Some let their frustrations come out. They were respectful to their superiors in that they didn't criticize the decision and, and actually supported the decision, were critical that there was not a lot of transparency or information provided because it's the coaches and the administrators at the colleges in the Big Ten that had to inform uh, the media and the family and the players. And they weren't armed with the information. They weren't involved in this process. But it's starting to really come out now, and people are talking big time. And they've been talking for a few weeks. And this is what I'm saying is not new to those of you that have followed me on LandryFootball.com and certainly the platforms that we have. This is this again made them look bad because a. You've got people inside that are antsy and frustrated. I mean, you got the, the the president at Michigan, for example, was the leader among the Big Ten presidents that did want to sit out. He's got a background in epidemiology, and there's no coach in the Big Ten that wanted to play more than Jim Harbaugh. So, you know, you you had you know some dueling comments there. But what happened is you're getting internal pressure from the people underneath that, that that work for you in your athletic administration and your football, your coaches and the players that want to play. And this didn't play out like the Big Ten wanted. Because the Big Ten, they say, boy, they hoped everything went well. And I, I'm not saying that they were distant. Don't think that they were hoping that they would look like, hey, you see, we knew it best. We were first. We had it. Hasn't worked out that way, has it? They're playing high school football in many places around the country. Certainly don't have the testing that you have, the money for that. They have little problems, not major problems. You've got the NFL playing. You've got other sports in its odd calendar that are playing. Some in bubbles, I know, but some are not. Getting along, you've got college football. Their sport, their you know adversaries, if you will. The SEC hasn't started, but everything's looking good there. You got the ACC. Got Clemson and Wake Forest playing, and that's looking good. And that's everybody. Other smaller leagues are starting to get some play. The the. The presidents of the Big Ten may not care about the public perception because they are kind of in their ivory towers and they're mightier than thou. But a lot of the athletic administrators that are saying, look, we make a lot of money too. And this is costing us in the PR battle. It's affecting us in the recruiting battle. We're going to lose more and more players on our team potentially. And this is bad. This is a bad look. You can play. If they can play, why can't we play? If we're in the state of Ohio, says Ohio State, and the Bengals and the Browns and the Cincinnati Bearcats can play, and More or High can play, and we can't? Explain that to us, and you can't. Of course they could do it. So you're having the internal pressure that's kind of getting there, but then Make no mistake that the thing that really turned the tide and flipped this was Thomas Mars and the other people that were involved in lawsuits and looking for um, discovery information, subpoenaing, uh, putting subpoenas in for the Big Ten bylaws. There's a lot of stuff that the Big Ten folks did not want out legally. Lawsuit threats, that will get you. Okay, it's not so much that they were fearful of losing the lawsuit. They were fearful of what could be discovered in subpoenas if you had a lawsuit. So it led to, uh uh-oh, we got to look at this. We got to be careful. This can't get out. That can't get out. Like any big corporation, there are things you don't want out. There's some skeletons you want to keep in the closet. There are things that you're doing that don't exactly fit to your bylaws. Did you have a vote? Did you have official meetings taking place? If you didn't, you're in violation of the bylaws. Does it really matter? Not if no, if everybody's willing to keep it in-house and play along, but if outside people come in and you're trying to get discovery and you're trying to create a lawsuit situation, that scared the heck out of them. And so that led to, we got to look at another option. You know, Folks, do you think the medical advances on testing, do you think they figured that out in this past week? Of course not. Those things were available to them back when they canceled the season or postponed the season. They choose to use that now. They could have done it. Or they had these things in place that they could have done with the SEC, ACC, and the Big 12 did. Let's wait and see. Let's look and see how this develops. And let's make a concerted effort to play and see how it works. They weren't interested in that. Are they interested in player safety? Of course. Everybody's interested in player safety. No one wants somebody to get hurt or sick. But the reality is that wasn't the biggest motivation. It didn't get them off the pot, so to speak. What did is the threat of a lawsuit. Yes, the embarrassment of you got egg on your face and everybody else is playing. That played a part. I don't think it played the biggest part. I don't think it was the major reason. I do think the threat of litigation and the discovery in that threat of litigation was going to be embarrassing, going to be difficult, going to be costly legally. Follow the money. They also, you know, would have lost money by not playing. They can recoup some of that. But the money there wasn't as big as what could have come out. In the threat of litigation. So that's the little ugly secret. And of course, you're not going to hear any of that publicly. What you're going to hear is we've made advances. Well, look, we let's go ahead and let's hire this head of whatever they've got, some fancy medical title for somebody that they're going to, that guy was available two months ago. This makes it look good. This puts a PR spin. We've got this. We're going to do this. It's extra protection. And look, we're just really careful. We're going to do this. The testing is better than it could have. All of that stuff that's going to play into, we're just really cautious. And now we got it all figured out. Coincidentally, got it all figured out. It coincides with the threat of lawsuits. Yeah, funny how that happened. Now, you hear the PAC-12 commissioner, Larry Scott. The governor of California basically threw them under the bus. Hey, there's no restrictions on college conferences playing. If they can figure it out, that's on them. Put it on the PAC-12. Well, the PAC-12, politically, politically, same thing. And listen, politics goes both ways. The reason why Trump was involved in trying to get the big 10 to playing and he didn't care about the PAC 12. Why? Because PAC 12 states are states he can't win. The big 10 states have represent some swing states. So he's certainly going to take credit for I got your Big Ten football back. He's going to try to do that, and that's exactly the reason why the folks in the Big Ten didn't want to allow him to be able to take credit because, again, we're dealing with an election not far around. This is all political. It has been from the beginning, and it's been a big part of it. I'm not being political. They're being political. I want football. I want players healthy and safe. I think that that ought to be the reason, and if it can be done safely in some areas, it can be done everywhere if you want to, and you're willing to do it. So the pac 12 is now suddenly, yeah, well, we're going to look into it. Well, you know, no way, you know, we're, we're November at the earliest Now well, we're going to look at it. We're going to see, we, you know, Larry Scott was on television last night saying, well, he says, we're behind the eight ball and we're behind. Why are you behind the ass? Well, because we were more cautious. You weren't more cautious. You were on the side politically. Your schools, when your state politically wanted to sit this out for political reasons. You don't have any say so because it's your university presidents, just like the Big Ten. And the governors in the state that are going to put forth that mandate, put the pressure on the presidents to make that vote. So you decided to opt out. Oh, the Big Ten finds their medical solution, and suddenly you find it. Folks, again, this is very political. This is legal. It's it's tied to discovery. It's tied to lawsuits. The Pac-12 looks foolish if they don't play, if they can't get their act together, they are behind right now. They administratively the PAC 12 looks like the worst conference in the group of five. In fact, you could make the case a couple of group of five schools are better organized administratively than the PAC 12 with Larry Scott, who by the way, makes more money than any commissioner in the, Pac-12, let that thing sink in. I realize it's California, cost of living, all that, but there is poor leadership there that suddenly you figured it out now, coincidentally, I mean, 90 minutes after the Big Ten just said they were going to stop, postpone the season, the Pac-12 says, we're going to stop, postpone the season, and then Two three hours after the Big Ten said they're going to play, now the Pac-12 is trying to figure out how they can join the party. Are you kidding me? That's this. You know, you you figured it out medically. Have there been advances testing? Perhaps, but isn't it coincidence that it all happens on the same day? It's like people that find religion when they need the most help, when they are the most desperate. I mean, come on. Again, I was born at night. It wasn't last night. It's just, it's, you know, that's the backstory of where we are. Now, a couple of things to keep in mind. I want to get into football. The Big Ten, if you look at the rules regarding return, very stringent on contact with people that have COVID, testing. It's going to be quite the challenge. I mean, it's going to take a Herculean effort for each school to get through their eight games without any problems, without a game being canceled here or there. It'll require, require, in my opinion, maybe not a bubble, but something close to it. So, Let's take a look at that. Let's watch that. See how it plays out. and Let's see what the Pac-12 does. Um, I'm excited to have those teams play, for those players and those coaches to be able to play. I think it's it's great. It's important for a lot of reasons. And again, if you can do it, do it. If it's not safe, don't do it. But for goodness sakes, if it's if it's doable, go ahead and do it. A reminder. We're doing this show live on Twitch now. So if you want to join us in the chat room, go to um, Chris Landry Football, excuse me, twitch.tv slash Chris Landry Football. Or you can go to landryfootball.com and click Follow Chris on Twitch. Click on that. And you can watch us. You can watch this podcast being taped. And, you know, click on it. We'll be there and join us in the chat room if you've got any questions. We've got. I want to answer um, a question. I want to get into a couple of other topics that um, that I want to get to today. Uh, I'm hoping that the politic talk ends because I'm I don't like it and it's all about football. But these things are important. Um, I do have one more thing I want to mention about the Big Ten, if people have asked me about what does this do for the Big Ten in terms of playoffs this year? Folks, if Ohio State goes unbeaten, their reputation, maybe it shouldn't be, the perceived strength of that team, maybe it shouldn't be, the overwhelming talent that they have, they have the look of a roster of a playoff caliber team. If they go unbeaten, they're going to be in at 8-0, 9-0. They actually have an 8 plus 1. Um, play 9-0. They, they're they definitely in. Um, I don't think anybody else gets that in the conference, gets that advantage. Although, very impressive, uh, Penn State or Michigan, Wisconsin, if they were able to beat Ohio State, and Ohio State at their strength, Certainly have to throw that in the mix. But I I think people that will say, oh, it's not fair, Chris. The SEC is going to play two more games. And you play two more games, you should get in over an unbeaten Ohio State. It's not going to work that way. Who's going to look the best and who's going to look? I think a football judgment is going to be a bigger factor than ever because you're not going to have comparative schedules. Because you're not going to have teams that play the same amount of games in some cases. So I think that's going to be a big factor. Um, all right, question here. Uh, Kevin asks, says there was a mile uproar when Steve Nash was named the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Some critics claimed the hire was outrageous because he didn't pay any dues, but Nash claims that skipping the line was perfectly reasonable because of his unique playing career. Would it be considered unconscionable if this type of scenario happened in the NFL? Well, yeah. First of all, I don't want to speak for the NBA or the basketball coaching community because my background coaching basketball only extends through high school. So not coached in college. Didn't coach college basketball. Certainly didn't coach or scout in the NBA. My background is football, as you know. But I can tell you, my belief is that, you know, foot basketball is a different type of sport in terms of coaching. There's more games and less practices. It's it's a continual game. It's And, and that leads to more player-oriented and less strategy. You got plays, you've got sets that you run, but it is not overly complicated from a coaching standpoint. Basically, in the NBA, particularly, not so much in college, but in the NBA, there's more coaching, I think, in developing in college. In the NBA, it's about massaging egos, guaranteed contracts. So any coach, I mean, Doc Rivers or, you know, number of those guys, did they have a lot of coaching experience. We don't see it in the NBA as much where you go and become an assistant in the NBA. And work, your, do that for eight, ten years, and work your way into being a head coach. It's you got a name, you got a profile, and you can massage egos. You get that opportunities. It, it, it would not work in the NFL because the NFL is more strategic oriented. If you don't have a coach that brings something to the table strategically, player evaluation wise you're, you're going to get lost. So you're not going to see an equivalent of that. You know, I know that some people throw out like Deion Sanders, Deion Sanders is not qualified right now. It would take him a while, I think to learn, but could be a good position coach. And the NFL is more of a coaching and football is more of a learned environment. you you coach a position, you become a coordinator it's rooted in a lot more strategy a lot more practices a lot more meetings a lot more organization between games that lead to the finished product on game day and you know you might be really good at relating to players but if you don't know how to coach your position that maybe you was a hall of famer at you're going to be a liability it's not so much that way in the nba you're not well can steve nash coach point guards how to play like he did. Well, don't need to do that because you don't really do that. You run sets and you let guys use their abilities. I think baseball is the same way. Football is about teaching technique. It's about teaching if you're going to coach a secondary. You're a Hall of Fame corner or safety. You can bring that experience and you can certainly help teach players things that you did but the way you played it may not be the best way to teach this player how to play. So you have to learn different ways to teach a technique, different ways to, to know different techniques to teach. Then you've got to understand maybe certain coverages that you were not as familiar with. Then you got to learn how to break down film from a coaching standpoint, not how you looked at film as a player. So you have to have a better understanding of combination of route concepts You've got to have a better understanding as a secondary coach about how the front plays and what that means. Things that go beyond what you learned as a player. So being a player, in my opinion, is essential to getting into coaching. But then there is a process which I think you really need to have in football to learn how to coach a position how to become a coordinator and then eventually become a head coach you've got to be able to know how to hire coaches that's important so in order to know how to hire good coaches you've got to know how to coach yourself and you've got to understand what they're coaching what they're teaching and why and you've got to understand personnel you've got to understand how to utilize personnel so it's a lot more complex in football so it wouldn't work Because it's a completely different discipline. You've got to know a lot more details in football. You've got to know a lot more strategy in football than you do in the other sports. So forget, there are a lot of people, the media and the fans that don't really understand because they've never coached. They think, hey, take this great play, be a great. Peyton Manning, make him a head coach. Peyton Manning not be qualified to be a head coach. Peyton Manning could be a really good quarterback coach. And probably if he wanted to spend the time and begin to to study things in football that d- he didn't have to do as a player, he could learn and do that and grow to be a coordinator, then grow to be a head coach, I think, or grow to be a front office guy. But if you don't do that, you're going to struggle. Um, if you're a GM like John Elway, and you really don't have a background in scouting or coaching, you see he struggled. He certainly had success, but the coaches kind of built the roster for him in the Super Bowl that they won. And since John has had to take things over, it hadn't been as good. Um, He's got to rely on a lot of people. And there's something to that being in the front office where you can put people in place and let them do the work, and you can just ratify it and be the spokesman. There's some of that. There's some people like that in the league, but – If you're truly going to be a good decision-maker in the front office or as a head coach, you certainly as a head coach, you can't fool players. Players got to know that you know what you're talking about. So it's a lot different in the NFL. All right, a lot of discussion about Tom Brady in his performance week one. A lot of panic. Oh, he's lost it. He's not as good. Let me tell you what the tape says. The tape says um, he still has the ability to throw the football. Um, the issues that regardless what the head coach may say or not, or whatever, whose fault or whatever, the, the mistakes, the turnovers, certainly Brady is culpable. He's part of that. The issues come about with side adjustments, with your ability to be able to read a coverage and have your receivers read the coverage and you to see it the same way. See. It doesn't work if I see the coverage correctly and the receiver doesn't. Because I know where to go with the ball and the receiver doesn't, then the ball's at the wrong place and then it's picked. Um, Could be communication issues of you didn't communicate what you saw to the receiver well enough, so he didn't know where to go there. So again, it's not about point and blame publicly. Internally, it's about getting everybody to see things the same way and understand what they're seeing and adjusting to it accordingly. Uh, the pick six definitely was a bad, th- bad decision and a throw. The other one was more of a miscommunication between the he and the receiver. And I'm not going to sit here and say where the communication fault lies, that, that has to be decided by them internally because who knows who knows what now there's an assumption that well it can't be Brady he's the greatest of all time well it could be doesn't mean the greatest of all time could not have made a mistake so what does it really mean are they signs as we overreact of course and say are the signs that oh man the end is near no I think that is highly overrated I think that we're not going to know that until the year progresses. What I anticipate to happen is as the season progresses, that you will see Brady and the offense become incrementally better week by week. The timing, the side adjustments, uh, maybe adjusting some of the things you do at the line of scrimmage that can be more mistake avoidance. And you know, there are a lot of things you could do that I think they'll get better. What does that mean for their record? I'm not sure. You know, I think we'll see. I think it'll be a pretty good season for them, and I think the offense will be better. Well, how long is it going to take, Chris? How many games does it take for that to be figured out? Well, I give it me- this is not a cookie cutter. It takes this many snaps and this many games. It depends in every situation. It's unique exactly how much of what you're trying to put in. You can only put in your offense as much as your weakest link can pick up. Because it uh, it matters not what I know as a coach. And it really, you know, it matters what the quarterback knows. But if the quarterback knows it and the receivers don't or the backs in protection don't, you're going to have problems executing. So how long does it take for somebody to learn something? I mean, guys, I don't know. I mean, if somebody teaches you something on the computer, how long does it take you to learn it? Well, it might take you a little bit longer than the next guy and the next act It takes me a long time. Your experience level of the players involved, the complexities of what you're trying to teach are a factor, and those things have a tremendous impact on how long it will take to get certain things done. Streamlining it, getting things incrementally better is the goal. And on top of all of that, if you're not playing who you're playing against, look, they're gonna beat the Bucks, the the Panthers. This Bucks are gonna beat the Panthers this week, my opinion. If they played the Panthers last week, they probably won and all They happen to play the Saints. So when you make mistakes, you can get exposed relative to the opponent that you're playing. Again, remember if you evaluate the result, you're missing the whole point. You have to evaluate the process that creates the result. Because the results don't just happen. They happen as a byproduct of a process, and so if you evaluate the process, that'll determine the success level of the result, and so you can maybe make some corrections and do things pretty well, which they did some things in that game pretty well, particularly early. They just played a Saints team that's better. Again, understand, evaluate, get better with the process. Uh, I mean, I think the Chargers did a lot of things poor. They beat the Bengals. If the Chargers had played a better team, they would have lost. The Bears came back, beat the Lions because the Lions collapsed. Does it make the, did the Bears found anything? No, they got a win. You know what you find out of the win, we'll find out going forward. But their play was not indicative of a win. Again, was a byproduct of who you're playing. All everything is all relative. Um, some we're running a little short on time, some over uh reaching thoughts from last week. Seattle winning without really good line play, Russell Wilson was that good, the film showed. The Packers made really good in-game adjustments, and Aaron Rodgers was that good, as was the offensive line of the Packers. Very good. Um, Kansas City is still going to be tough to handle. That offense will be. Dallas, their offensive line did not play well. It was not a good week, and Aaron Aaron Donald can expose you, and he did. Um, New England, Are they going to run Cam Newton a whole lot? Look, two things on New England with Cam Newton and what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. They're going to run Cam Newton as much as they feel they need to. They're not tied to Cam Newton long term. So if they wear him down and, you know, for next year, that's not a factor. What they're looking for is to run him because you have to run Cam Newton a certain amount for that offense to work with him because what makes him effective is the threat to run and the ability to make plays off the run, the spacing that it creates in coverage by people having to peel off and respect the run. The zone read where he may run or he may give it are all things that they're planning in there for defenses to understand and focus on. What they're going to do is gradually build in more bubble screens, build in more second level throws off of the zone read where they're now zone reading, not the end. Because remember, when it's going to be, you know, it's a run pass option. What they're going to do with the RPOs is read the safety and then it's an easier throw for Cam. Cam's not a midline pocket thrower. He's a guy that's going to be a really good off play action, really good off RPOs, really good out of the pocket. Those are the things where you create space. He can be deadly as a passer. That's what they're going to try to do. They're going to run him as much as they need to to win games. They would ideally like to have his body in good shape for a playoff run and in the playoffs because that's the key. But overall, they're not going to sit there and save this guy for, oh, man, you know, his age and, you know, his contract and his future and all that. There is no next year with Cam Newton for New England. That'll be decided in the offseason. And if he's injured and it helps them achieve their goals this year, that's all they're concerned about. So those are some observations that people have asked about. Um, got some injury issues in San Francisco that we've got to really watch. Pittsburgh's the real deal. I've said that. Um, Benny Snell running with Benny Snell can run like that all year. Pittsburgh's going to be a big factor, and what a race. Give me Pittsburgh-Baltimore games right now. Man, that's going to be a lot of fun. I want to end it with some thoughts on practice issues that, you know, we hear a lot, and we focus a lot on the games, and I get that. Fans, media, go to the games. That's what they know. That's the result that I talk about. The process is the meetings and the practice. You can't escape the result in the game on game day and separate that from the process that leads to that result because you practice how you play and you pray like you practice. Oh, Chris, what about aren't there gamers and all that? Let let me explain something. When you hear, boy, this team had a bad week of practice and had a great game, tell you what's happening. When you have a bad week of practice, it's a byproduct of maybe you've got certain things in your game plan that you siphon out because you're not executing it well. So then you go with things that are a little bit better. So you play better because you become a little bit more confident and you're doing things that you've siphoned out of your game plan and you're focusing on things that will work better. And so you play a little bit better. A lot of times you have a great week of practice, you're sharp and you go into a game, but, but a lot of that is because you fail to make adjustments and you play it in a way that doesn't turn out quite like you thought and how they're playing against you. And it creates a difficulty there. So you, you do how you practice is how you play, and I don't mean that you will perform to the same level, but how you practice, how you meet, how you prepare affects your ability to perform in the game if nothing else. It accentuates what you should or shouldn't do, and you go from there. Um, the inability to practice the same way, the inability to get as much stuff put into your game plan other than your basics. See, your basic offense, defense, special teams is like a trunk of a tree. That's the basic concept of what we're going to run, our base sets, our base fronts, our base coverages, our, our base blitz packages, our base protections, our base route concepts, our base run plays. That's the trunk of the tree but think of a big oak tree with, you know, the, the complexities depending on your players and your coaches got all sorts of limbs and those limbs have limbs that branch out. Okay. What you're seeing through this process is you're limited through the off season to put as much stuff in. And in fact, you tend to reduce it because better to do a few things well than do a bunch more things that are not nearly as good. So you you have to siphon down what you're doing. Well, that's fine. But the less things you do, the more predictable you are and the easier you are to play against. The more things you can do well, the more things you have in your tool belt, the more limbs on the tree that you can go in a lot of different directions. Think of a squirrel going up a tree, going up. a He can go all different directions on the branches. You got a tree with a few branches. He's only got two branches to go to. You know he's either on the trunk or the two branches. Ain't no else for him to go as he leaves the tree. So think about it from this standpoint, that what you're seeing is a combination in some cases of We're trying to do a little too much and not doing it well, and it becomes sloppy. Or we're doing a few things pretty well, but, man, our team played well for two quarters. Well, you know why? You did a limited amount of things pretty well. But when they're able to adjust to it, you weren't able to do your alternative things as well because you didn't have as much practice time. Look, it's directly correlated to the players you have, the experience levels of your players. Those things are really, really key, and when you have those things integrated in what you're doing, it's a huge factor in what you can or can't do. The other thing is the physical part of it. Tackling's not good. Special team breakdown's not good. Blocking's not good. You don't hit enough. You don't hit enough. You don't prepare enough to do those things. Like any discipline, um, you're not going to be as good at it. So those things over time, as you get more meeting time, you get more practice time during the season and you get games, you're going to get a little bit better college and pro. Um, But I do think the availability of players, because if you miss three guys on your offensive line or defensive line in a given week due to COVID, then that affects negatively your ability to practice. Your offensive line got three guys missing. That hurts your offensive line practice. It hurts your defensive line practice. It hurts your linebacker practice. It hurts everything. So now you have to go back. You got different guys in. You can't run as many protections. It affects everything. So practices are what's really important. The ability to do those things in earnest, the ability to kind of grow through the season and grow those branches will make the, your ability to do that or lack of ability to do that will make your ability to perform better on game day that much better. hey, appreciate you joining us really excited um stay tuned we've got the the guys uh from uh in defense of the big twelve um Brett kellner and, and Tyler McComas I'll be talking about I know they talked about the tough week in the big twelve on uh early part of the week on uh, on monday certainly um uh, we've got uh, some more games coming up this week, a couple of teams that haven't played or getting into action. Uh, they'll get you caught on all that. Check out all the great program on uh, Chris Landry, Twitch down on twitch.tv slash Chris Landry football, or go to landryfootball.com. click follow Chris on Twitch. Check out uh, Tyler and Brad. They have a, do a great job for us and go to the chat room, uh, hit that heart button, like them, send them questions. They'll communicate with you and talk about everything going on in the Big 12. Check out all the NFL programming, the college programming that we have uh, here on this channel. You can catch their podcast as well as all of our podcasts. You can go to LandryFootball.com find out where you can sign up. we got it all for you. Check out LandryFootball.com. We've got all the film room scouting game breakdowns, the previews of the games, college, NFL. We've got them for you. We'll review it inside the film room. We'll tell you who's graded out the best on offense, defense, special teams for these teams, college, and the NFL. Check out our notebooks each and every day where we provide you all the latest information going on around practices, getting ready for games, injury reports. So if you're in the fantasy world, if you're in the betting world, you can get all of that information in our previews and in our notebook. It's like having your own scouting department or coaching department for less than a magazine subscription. Try it out for a month. Get a better discount trying it out for a year. But we appreciate you joining us, and we'll talk to you again next time for another edition of the Landry Football Podcast, part of LandryFootball.com.